Well, how about the Pope and Donald Trump? Huh? <laughs> okay, that's all I'm going to say about that subject. That's what you want to hear, but you're not going to. Uh, I always like to be topical, you know. This, this gospel is really, the more you look at it, the better it gets. These Peter and his companions were overcome with sleep. But when they're with Jesus, they become fully awake. This is the goal of our faith is to become fully awake. We shouldn't be like the people who do not know God and are fully asleep in this world without the slightest clue as to what's going on. The Lord does not make himself visible by glowing like this in our lives. This was a very rare occurrence called an epiphany. But we do have indications that our Lord is with us while we live in the valley, which is the normal course of things. I was thinking about, I mentioned it before, when I was in uh, the Holy Land, we had a Holy Land slideshow, many of you were there, but um, Tuesday night, when I went there, we stopped at Mount Tabor, that's an obligatory spot when you go there, and it was May, and in May, it's very hot, starting to get very hot in the Holy Land, it was already about 100, it goes up much higher than that in Galilee in the summer, so uh, we stopped at the base of the hill in the bus, and they said, any of you that want to walk up and have that experience of walking up Mount Tabor, it's not a real tall mountain, but it's, I don't know, maybe a 2,000 feet, 1,500 feet, and so uh, from where the bus dropped them off, so I think probably four-fifths of them got out to walk, and they indicated anybody that couldn't walk or was very old could take the bus. Guess what I did? I took the bus, right. And uh, so, and that made all the difference, I'll tell you. Uh, I just figure when you're on a pilgrimage these days, we don't have to add to the penances that we have for just travel. It's just not easy, you know. It's, I know the flying part's all right, but when you're in the TSA and going to the airport and, and getting up early and then being cr- crammed into some, some seat where you can't even recline or somebody reclines too far in front of you and having to go through customs and all that stuff and then being fu- on a butt, who needs to walk up to Mount Tabor? I'm going to take the bus. If you, on the other hand, fly first class all the time and you get one of those lazy boys going over to Europe, you need to do some penance when you get there. <laughs> so I took the bus. But what was interesting about that trip was, you know, May, it's, it's just like L.A., the weather there. It's the same climate. You don't get rain in May. Uh, but in this case, some big cloud came over, kind of almost biblical. Didn't, it didn't descend on the mountain like it did in the story, but it just let out this downpour, just this one cloud in the middle of the sky, and it just, they just got drenched on the way up. So when, they, when the, this group of people finally showed up, uh, one of them actually sometimes sings at the 530 Mass that was on that trip with us, and they took so long getting up there because of the weather. When they got up there, the, the tour guide said, well, time to go. <laughs> so they never did see Mount Tabor. But it, it seems to me that nine of them stayed on the, at the base of the mountain. Three of them went up with Jesus. But all of them had a different experience of Mount Tabor. Jesus takes these three disciples with him. And what do they see? First of all, Peter, John, and James. Where do we see them together again like this? Gethsemane, right? Where's the other place that they fall asleep? Gethsemane. Why does Jesus choose these guys anyway? Every time he, he's counting on them, they're, they're asleep. 
they can't catch any fish and they can't stay awake either. But this is, so they're, they're, they're asleep and we're asleep too. Jesus is among us right now in the Eucharist, the word here at Mass, in, in one another. And in our lives, he's present in each individual and in the circumstances of life. But he very rarely shows himself directly. Even to the apostles, he didn't show himself directly. But at this moment, he did. So Jesus, through whom everything was created, is now fully immersed in his own creation, actually born into the creation. He emerges as we all do. And now he's standing on top of a mountain and he touches heaven, his home. And from earth, the Son of God looks up to heaven and becomes a being of light. Because, and John, who was at that scene, will write later in his own gospel, many years later, God is light. In him there is no darkness. He saw Jesus as a being of light. And yet, when we came to the cross, these three ran away. Even Peter denied him, and he knew who he was. So we, we too, at times, will run away, and God will wait for us to come back. It's called sin. Sometimes we need sacrament reconciliation, but God will always take us back. So we hear, there they are on the mountain. Now it's right at the point that Jesus is having this conversation with Elijah and Moses. Both of these individuals struggled a lot in the Bible. It's very interesting that the law and the prophets, the two great pillars along with Abraham of the Old Testament, there's three of them and two of them were there. But both of them, let's think about this last night, both of them prayed for death. Moses finally couldn't take any more of the chosen people. And he said, Lord, if you're going to treat me like this anymore, please just take my life and get it over with. That's, that's in the Bible. Elijah was running from Jezebel. And the, the wife of King Ahab, and she wanted to kill Elijah, of course. And so Elijah finally just threw himself on the desert and said, take me now. I'm not moving another step until you take me. So then God sent some angels to help him. So these two, who have these difficulties, are now going to speak with Moses about his exodus. In other words, Jesus has something to do. He can't go home yet. He, not to be colloquial too much, but he's calling home. But he can't come home. He's just touching base with his father and letting, putting him on a conference call, letting these three disciples for a brief moment see who Jesus really is. And Peter, and, Peter wants to stay there. These three tents, they weren't they weren't tents for sleeping. They were religious tents. They used these at the Feast of Booze. They wanted to put up three shrines so that Moses and Elijah and now Jesus can stay there and they can worship. But Peter, Jesus, then, of course, Peter is cut off from saying any more, and the Father speaks. And Jesus is God's final word to humanity. This is the last words of God the Father in the New Testament. This is my chosen son. Listen to him. And then it's all over with. The epiphany is finished. So I think for us, you know, we're often overcome by sleep. As we go through life, we lose sight of God. But Jesus has a, something for us to do. 
uh, I, I've had this conversation innumerable times with people over the years, particularly after a long illness or something. Somebody's maybe in the memory care facility or they, they, they're very ill and they can't do anything and they wonder what their life's about or what does God have for me or we're in a job, we can't get out of it, it doesn't seem very fulfilling or you know, marriage troubles or school troubles or life troubles or whatever. But God has a plan, and Jesus has something to go through. And he, he wants the disciples to come with him. He wants them to share his passion, and they can only go so far with him. You know, he says, he, he goes down the mountain, he says, you know, you know, I'm going to go through my passion. You saw this, but we have to go through something together. Life is what we've been through with somebody. We have something to go through in life. This is not a first-class flight. We have, to, we have to be crammed into coach once in a while. This is the way it is. Life is, life is not easy. But Jesus, Jesus is going to go through his passion. This is what his life is about. So our Lord then gives us a vision, and we have this vision of who he really is. He wants us to go home with him, but we have some, a mission in life. And part of that mission is, who is God going to send in my life to go through something with them? Without that, we have not lived. We can insulate ourselves so that we never suffer. If, that, if anybody can figure out how to do that, I'd like to know. But we, with a certain amount of power and money, we can push a lot of that away. But then we're missing out on what life's about. God will still break through this, and we'll have to see life as it is. And so as we come down the mountain then, as I began with my story, many of them got rained on. I got out of that, but we all had to go together down the mountain. It's being with Christ means that I'm going to have a cross and I'm also going to be led to glory. The transfiguration is accomplished by what we go through for Christ. It's not easy money. Christ pays the price, but we have to accompany him. He's got a plan for you and a plan for me. And part of it is the valley, and that's what this world is about. So we're just really grateful that God gives us this vision of him to give us courage and hope. But when we go through the valley or overcome by sleep, we know that Jesus is with us. We can't stay here. We have to keep going. God has a plan for my life at every stage of life. And then he says to us to give us confidence, this is my chosen son. And you are my, my chosen son and daughter. Be with me. Come with me. I will give you a cross, but I will lead you to glory. This uh, suffering, this road that we're on, is the transfiguration.